Vomit in your head. Season two. I love, I love your vibes tonight. Happy behavior and welcome to Aquarius, friends. Yes. <laughs> welcome to Aquarius behavior. Happy Wednesday, friends. It's Aquarius behavior. And this is a best friends podcast. And I'm Morgan. And I'm Samantha. And I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's Book Nook. Because it's Book Nook. And I was like, let's just get through this because we got some fucking Austin to talk about. Yeah, we've been staring at our phones for the last, I would say, eight minutes or so, just trying to find some character representation that explains this new book that neither of us have read before this moment. This is our first dipping our toes into it. And there's a lot of new things for both of us. I'm so excited. Mm, Morgan. Morgan. Happy Wednesday, friends. Happy Wednesday, friends. We just really love that you're here. Mm. Who's ready to yell about book? book? If you ha- are familiar with our show, you know it is the fourth Wednesday of the month, which mm. means we are talking book nook. We are talking Austin. If you are new, welcome to our podcast. Welcome. It's the fourth Wednesday. And so we're talking about Austin. But mm. you can also tune in for later episodes when we talk about plants or we play friendship games or sometimes mm. we have guests on yeah. or sometimes we're feeling really random. Who knows? Yep. It's cozy time with friends. Cozy time with friends. Mm-hmm. But today we're talking about Mansfield Park, mm-hmm. which is Jane Austen's third book. And yeah, this is one I'm I'm was completely in the dark about. I've never seen any of the film adaptations. I've never seen a play. I've never read this book. All I knew was the character, the main character, the main protagonist is Fanny Price. Fanny Price. And I knew that she went and lived with rich relatives. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all I knew. I assumed someone or everybody falls in love at some point and gets married. <laughs> Jane Austen does do a thing with falling in love and getting married. And yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's all about the white female experience in the Regency era. <laughs> in the area. Yeah. So, uh, oh, my God, I don't I'm, I'm, my mind is buzzing. and mm-hmm. I don't even know where to begin. But we normally begin with like, how are you? How did you approach this mm-hmm. book? Mm-hmm. So that I think that's the best place to start. I approached it cautiously. I approached it with tiptoes first and then slowly <laughs> easing into it. I audiobooked it. Uh, and it was one of those where Morgan, I had as to listen do, to it. As we do. <clears throat> I had to listen to it three times. I had awesome. to listen to it three times because one, the absorption rate of my brain, a little bit slower. Two, was doing it while I was doing other things. And so there are some nuances of care, like conversations that I was like, oh, I'm going to have to listen to that next time through because now I understand who this character is. Mm-hmm. And we read through chapter 25, right? Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. I, yeah, my version told me this is the first half of the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Beautiful. Just, <laughs> just went on that journey. Fabulous. So, uh, yeah, with... With that, it was just like, okay, well, how how fast can this person tell me this book? And then how many times can I listen through it so that I actually understand the character arcs and the continuity? And we still don't get it because this was my first time reading it, never read the book before, never watched a movie, never seen. Apparently, there's a um, BBC series or PBS series um, with what's-her-face Rose from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So... This was my companion first of the of the new versions. I didn't even know that the main character's name was Fanny Price. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the I was a Pride and Prejudice kind of girl. I was a little bit of Sense and Sensibility kind of girl. I've seen the movie Emma. 
mm-hmm. haven't read any of the other books. So it was okay. a lot of like, I'm unfamiliar with these characters. I don't know the themes. I don't know the themes. Mm-hmm. I don't. So it was a lot of just digging through it mm-hmm. and having someone tell me about it and then tell me about it again and then tell me about it again. So how was how was your journey? <laughs> so I also listened to the audiobook because that's just what we do. And so I listened to a LibriVox recording. Mm, This is a LibriVox recording. Yes, which I know you normally do. I did not find one at the library in time. And the one that was available was like a radio adaptation. So it was a four-part radio adaptation. With like different people actually acting out the parts and conversationally. Mm -hmm. Ooh, interesting. Which I definitely want to listen to. Yeah, someday. But I need to listen to the book first so I understand what's going on. Yeah. And so I found a great LibriVox recording on YouTube by Karen, read by Karen Savage. Mm-hmm. And so she did a literal two part video. It's part one of two of the book. So it's literally just the first half of the book. Does she continuously sit there and read it or Probably not. does she take a break? Okay. No. Is it like <laughs> sitting I in the middle it. of the frame just for seven and a half hours just reading Jane Austen to a camera? I doubt it. <laughs> no, it's all a recording. Okay. Um, that would be impressive though. I bet there's a market out there who's just like, hey, we're going to do uh, live recordings of audiobooks. Stamina readings of Yikes. historical. <laughs> okay. Lord can, of the Rings is like a 20-hour audiobook. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> How long can you go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could be like like one of those uh, things where you're like fundraising, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can easily get past Rivendell. <laughs> yes. So that's how I took in Mansfield Park. And mm-hmm. I was very interested to read this book. I also procrastinated. And so I listened to the entire first half yesterday and just had it on in my headphones as I was cleaning my house. And then I laid in bed and set some candles. It was very romantic. Mm -hmm. And I laid there with my dog and we listened to Mansfield Park. And there's a lot going on. There's still some I'm fuzzy on because I'm not familiar with any of these characters. Mm -hmm. So looking up a character map today has helped me. A little bit more because I know that there's groups of people, but I can't name everybody. It's just more like I can describe how they're related to Fanny or how I think they're related to Fanny (laughs) or just at some point this happened. I don't remember who was there or what time that happened, but it was something I heard. And so I'm impressed that you went three times through and I'm glad that you're bringing this more probably detailed analysis because I am more. I'm here shaking my head at you. Don't say that. Don't say that on this podcast. Don't set this up. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still in like the big picture thing. Yeah. And yeah, the the overarching themes and the the details are a little bit fuzzy. Yeah. It's it's also not knowing what happens in the second half of the book. I have no idea. I am completely. So for me, reading Pride and Prejudice, like last time, Mm -hmm. I was able to just, it was like it in a hot tub just familiarity and knowing, you know, everything's going to be okay for these characters and what their journeys are and how they're going to land. And so I could really like 
flavor, you know, hang out with these moments leading up to the midway point. With this one, Mm -hmm. it's all fresh and it was fresh the first time. So I was just I stopped paying attention to who anyone was or whatever. And I was just like, I need to get through the story and just hear like, okay, they, you know, here are the plot points, here are the high points and here are the kind of main people that Fanny is paying attention to Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. main like people who are, oh, my God, bitches, excuse me. But um, we... Mm, I have some feelings. And so I have some opinions. Oh my gosh. And so not knowing what those character journeys are, mm-hmm. what their um how they land at the end of the book, I we're I'm going into this blind with a little bit more not like concern because we're all friends here in Book Nook, but just yeah, I'm not more worried. Like, no, it's just more like I don't know. This is the, you know, um thoughts, impressions on the first pass mm-hmm. through the mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Yeah. I totally relate to that because I feel I'm in a very similar mood and I'm coming at this book with a similar energy. And I think that's part two of my I can't really remember everybody's names. I'm a little bit just on overdrive. Mm. Just all of my senses are up. I'm like, I feel like I'm being hyper vigilant while listening to this book and just, you know, my ears are perked up and I'm trying to take in all the information and I'm curious about, okay, well, what exactly is going to happen? I'm picking up on something. Is that right or is it going to be something else? And I don't really know who these characters are. So I don't at this point know who to trust Mm -hmm. because I also was very familiar with Pride and Prejudice and I was familiar enough with Sense and Sensibility to know who the main characters were, who ended up together, things like that. And so for me, listening to the last two books in our Austin series, it has been just more relaxing and I've been more marinating. It's just, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm hanging out with old friends and it's fun to re-listen to those because then I pick up on different things because I know Lady Catherine de Bourgh mm. and her relationship with all these characters. So then I pick up on little snide comments that I didn't really catch before or, oh, I forgot that wasn't in the movie. And that was so clever that she said that because then later this happens or she acts this way. Um, And with Sense and Sensibility, just I was so much more, I guess, in tune and attached to the female protagonists and mm-hmm. it was really a time where I'm like wow Marianne I'm just I'm just really feeling her in this new light yes. <laughs> and just seeing her mm-hmm. growth more and really appreciating her and I'm just seeing her a lot more this time around and I don't know anybody here and I gotta tell you I pff, the beginning of this book I was proud because this was the first book because I told you when we read Sense and Sensibility I had to listen to that first chapter about three times yeah because I did not understand that like she came in hard with entails and I don't know this is very confusing to me bequeathing and lines of inheritance and all that stuff didn't know that I needed you know two-thirds of a law degree in order to read Jane Austen's book yes Also, just what a brilliant, beautiful mind. Keep going. She's so like, whoa, Mm -hmm. smarty pants. Yeah. She's she's really smart. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And so, you know, she's writing about all that stuff. So this I felt that this first chapter, like the first couple chapters. Can I jump in here? Yes. Are we ready? I love that you're going in because I want to hear your thoughts, your first pass through 
And I then just we want to start at the beginning it. first. Mm-hmm. We're going to start about the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. And then when we get to the end, we'll stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we'll wrap it up. And somewhere there'll be a stretch break, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Or maybe we'll forget again. I Who love knows? it. I don't know. Come find out. So, okay. So in the beginning of this book, I, the beginning of Mansfield Park, I heard a lot of similarities between the beginning of this book and the beginning of Sense and Sensibility. That's like what I was really seeing. And so they're not identical in any way. They're very different. Um, they But they talk about the family lineage. There's a lot about uh, money, who has money, who doesn't, how the money is being passed down, things of that nature. And also a lot of familial money. And yeah. so they're, Austin really sets up the family of these three sisters. And so we start off talking about Fanny's mom and her aunts mm-hmm. and how to her mom, Fanny's mom and another sister, they just kind of married for love. And they, you know, married, didn't have a lot of money, but they were fine. It wasn't horrible. And they married good men. But her other aunt just like hit a jackpot mm-hmm. and she married some lord. She's now a baroness. She Lady lives, Bertram. Lady Bertram. Lady Bertram. Mm-hmm. And she resides in Mansfield Park. <gasps> the title of our book. There, there it is. is. There it is. It's we found it. not a park mm-hmm. with swings. Mm, that's nice. And well, there are shrubberies, I'm mm-hmm. sure, on Jungle their land. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, yeah, it's a home. It's a place. It's a building. Mm-hmm. And so that is where we now know our story takes place. Yeah. And so now, as a reader, listener, I am now really invested in Lady Bertram. And I'm like, great, you're going to be a main character here. Yeah. You live in the title of the book. Yeah, you live, you're collectively in the title you're of the book. collectively mm-hmm. there. So loving that. But there is a great, great passage, few pages, where it's a conversation between Lady and Lord Bertram about what they're going to do with their money and how they're going to assist their family. Mm-hmm. And so as they know, like we have the most money uh, at this point in time, Fanny is introduced and she's about 10 years old in the beginning of the book. And the Bertrams have four children who are all Lord Bertram's kids. As I understood, Lady Bertram herself doesn't actually have children. I believe so. Is yes. that right? Yep. Okay. That's how I understood it. She goes through this whole thing of like, I, as they're deciding what they're going to do with the family, she says, I will never love anyone as much as I love your children, Lord Bertram mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's what's happening in the beginning of the book. And we learn about Fanny and her aunt's inheritance. They're all getting, I think it was about 6000 a year from their father. Mm-hmm. And so then it really depended on them marrying well. They married okay. But at this point now, Fanny's mom is pregnant and about to give birth to her ninth child. Nine. Oh, Mm. my God. And it's literally, that's almost one a year because her Mm. eldest brother, she's the second, and her eldest brother is William, her Mm. favorite. And we learn William is 11. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Yeah. And (sighs) you're just. I'm so tired. 
you're that's exhausting um there's there's a lot of children in that situation and we also find out adjacent to this that her father at some point becomes disabled mm-hmm. and he's a sailor or some sort of mm-hmm. something and so now there's also just a strain on the family too many kids for what mm-hmm. they're bringing in and so Lady Bertram is just like, well, here's how I can help my poor, poor sister. Mm-hmm. So many children running around her home. Here's how I can alleviate it. But also what she says in there, too. And this was when, like, you know, when we were starting to talk about um, Sense and Sensibility, where we're they're talking about how um, they're going to support the women and how, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's so nice for you to even think of them and whatever. And it's just like she's saying Lady Bertram's like. Uh, we should bring one of these kids there so that none of our kids are interested in because back then in the Regency era, you were still marrying cousins and keeping the money in the family and oh, totally. doing all of that First kind of stuff. Marriage. Exactly. And so they were saying, you know, hey, this is the still realm of the marrying pot. Mm-hmm. Let's bring the eldest daughter here raised her with our children and they'll always look at her as a gross sister Mm -hmm. and never as someone who we would have to worry about our boys marrying into our poor aunt's family. Yeah. Okay. (gasps) So let's talk about Lady Bertram because here I need to tell you the, Mm -hmm. uh, just the journey that I went on listening to these first couple chapters because I recognized right away this kind of mere scene that Austin is setting up if you've read Sense and Sensibility. So I'm noticing this and like, wow, she's setting up this very kind of similar scene between a wealthy husband and wife talking. But Lady Bertram starts off the conversation kind of presenting the opposite ideas that we saw in sense and sensibility it was like let's give these opportunities you know let's bring someone here into our home and we'll kind of be their caretakers and help guide them and all this stuff and at first I'm thinking oh my gosh this is really like that is generous and like she seems so thoughtful and like what a loving sister and aunt and all this stuff and then the tone starts to change a little bit. And Austin, thank goodness for her, gives us some insight into Lady Bertram's inner monologue. And I start realizing that none of this is actually for Fanny. This Mm-mm. is actually she's talking about like, here are things we can do for my sister. But it's really more about we have these poor relatives, which is embarrassing. And so what if we are able to contribute a little but not enough because Fanny always needs to know her place. And she starts talking about that, of how like we could bring somebody into our family, but they will always know that they aren't actually a part of our family. And so right away, we create this otherness between Fanny and the rest of her family. And she's 10. And she's 10. She's 10 years old. Yes. And so like, as and as Austin says, you know, in her narration, it's just that no one was ever cruel to Fanny, you know, like no one beat her. There was no abuse, like physical abuse happening. Yeah. There was no. I, and, and I, as I read this, too, I don't think there was any evil or malintent. I mean, you know, it was just as I got to know Lady Bertram a little more and like as she talked to her daughters She said some super mean things and planted some just 
bad seeds in her daughters. Exactly. Like she had so many opportunities to cultivate this compassionate nature within her daughters as they ask questions about Fanny and like, why doesn't she know, you know, the countries on the map? Why doesn't she know French? Why, you know, all this stuff. Do you have that passage ready? Well, wouldn't you know it? That was one of my dog <gasps> ears. I'm just going to jump in because oh, please do. If you read it, great. If you haven't, we're just jumping in. Lady Bertram is talking to her daughters and they're saying, we cannot believe that Fanny doesn't know all of these things that we have been told um, or learned in school. You know, the ironic thing, and I guess just <laughs> the thing that really gets my hackles up, is that Lady Bertram wouldn't have known any of this shit either if she hadn't married into it. Exactly. And she is like kind of the lazy. <laughs> She is kind of the laziest mm -hmm. person. Like, she doesn't do much. There's a lot of commentary about the yes. amount of things and what the characters get up to. Okay. Yeah. Let me jump into this. Do you need to... No. More do you need Please to... Please read okay. more. All right. <clears throat> yes, added the other. This is the daughters. And of the Roman emperors as low as Severus. Besides a great deal of heathen mythology and all the metals, semi-metals, planets, and distinguished philosophers. Morgan, you know all these, right? You know all these d distinguished philosophers? All of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't like to list them off, though, because I don't want to brag and make other people feel bad. It's well, personal information. I'll yeah. keep them. I'll keep them to myself. Mm -hmm. I respect Because that. I'm humble like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, the semi-metals and the planets. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that says, so then she jumps in. Very true indeed, my dears. But you are blessed with wonderful memories, and your poor cousin has probably none at all. There's a vast deal of difference in memories, as well as in everything else, and therefore you must make allowance for your cousin and pity her deficiency. And remember that if you are ever so forward and clever yourselves, you should always be modest, for much as you know already, there is a great deal more for you to learn. Yes, I know there is, till I'm seventeen. But I must tell you another thing of Fanny, so odd and so stupid. Do you know, she says she does not want to learn either music or drawing. One more paragraph. To be sure, my dear, that's very stupid indeed. And it shows a great want of genius in emulation. But all things considered, I do not know whether it is not as well as it should be so. For, though you know, owing to me, your papa and mamma are so good as to bring her up with you, it is not at all necessary that she should be accomplished as you are. On the contrary, it is much more desirable that there should be a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we still have to separate mm -hmm. because she's not actually of the same breeding. I got some hackles raised right now. I have and some defensive feelings. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do too. Like, I got angry. And also, there's a child involved. I mean, she has so a child. Yeah, there's a child. And so that just, yeah, that bothered me. I was disappointed and just automatically. And this is the thing, too, about Jane Austen is she does. Oh, my God. She just does a beautiful job of illustrating human nature because Dude. She creates these three-dimensional characters every time. And we've seen them. The you know main antagonists of her books, they are not evil people. They are just people. They're just, they're just people. people. With their flaws and their with hopes their and flaws. their dreams. Yes. And their motivations. Yes. 
And, you know, mm. and this is different. And I and I find her different. So to kind of, again, compare Lady Catherine de Bourgh is a bully. I will say that. Like, again, I don't think she's evil, but she, in my mind, is a bully. Like, she is fully, she knows what she's doing. She loves to be uh, fawned over. And so she surrounds herself with people who will fawn over her. And if she isn't around those people who are going to do that, then she tries to belittle them because mm-hmm. she needs to feel bigger. She needs people to know yep. that there is that There's hierarchy. Um, I don't see that with Lady Bertram. I just see with Lady Bertram, I see a complete ignorance and lack of compassion. Mm-hmm. Like woman, a little vapid. Yeah. Uh, she's, you know, there's not much to her. I think she's a little hollow. Um, And she just, you know, was kind of pretty and, you know, snagged a baron or a, a lord and she got lucky. Mm-hmm. And so but she, you know, they... Austin even talks about it, how there was nothing extraordinary about her at all. Like she just happened to catch the eye of a Lord Mm -hmm. and there it was. And so, you know, and I think there's a difference too between being nice and being kind. Ooh, yeah. Because I, I think, and as you know, people from the Midwest, (laughs) as a Midwesterner where we're constantly talking about niceness, uh, I think nice is for other people. You're being nice and that niceness implies, you know, what is socially acceptable. Creating like an environment. proper. Um, no, not even that. It's just like, yeah, I think kindness is more about creating an environment, okay. to be honest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I think of niceness as like. Hi, this is how I show up in a conversation. And then, like, I want to appear like I fit in and I am nice and I'm a good person and I need people to like think that about me. And kindness to me is much more about creating that environment and being intentional. And like, kindness is something that, like, not it's not out there for everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, this is something that I'm really doing from my heart. Ooh, yeah. Versus the niceness, which is just this is how I like act outwardly to people. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see somebody on the surface level, like when you meet somebody for the first time and you're always like, oh, they were nice. How was your visit with them? Oh, it was nice. It was nice. Like it was a nice conversation. Mm-hmm. I had a nice time with them versus, you know, when you actually get to know somebody and language starts changing of, yeah. wow, like I really see their heart. They're mm-hmm. a kind person. They're there for people. They're compassionate or like, you know, they are an animal lover. Like they're reaching out those kinds of things. And I see Lady Bertram as just like trying to be nice and like putting that into her daughters. You know, there's one point where her daughters, um, you know, are so halfly interacting with Fanny when they're younger and notice that she's kind of sad or she's bored. And so they give that give fanny some of their old toys and they're like yeah so you know we gave her some toys that she could play with which seems like such a nice thing you know you'd hear them be like oh that's so nice of you you gave them some toys but then what do they do after they leave her and they're like here we gave you toys so you can play with these and now we're gonna go play piano in the other room and so that wasn't kindness that wasn't inviting that wasn't building an environment where she could feel welcomed, where included. Fanny could feel included. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just, oh, that was a nice thing. You just gave her some of your stuff. Aren't these nice girls? So that's what I'm seeing in this book. 
and fire, a yes. difference in like words and meaning that like I feel is significant. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting. So, yeah, creating these characters where right off the bat, it's like, wow, you're not you're not intending to be hurtful. Like you're not treating her like the maid per se or you know, forcing her to like clean things and serve you and stuff. But you're definitely still creating an otherness with these rigid societal rules and, you know, putting yourself in this position of control. And to a child, they don't understand those things. And so all this child is seeing and feeling is just lonely and lonely. Yeah. And so it just because it doesn't create this compassionate space. Mm -hmm. Until we meet Edmund. Edmund. Yeah, she's got to deal with these aunts. And then Edmund comes in the picture. And it's like, so we, the cool thing about this book, the interesting thing I find about this book is that we follow, the first half takes place over a couple years. Mm-hmm. We, it's like the first beginning was like some 30 years ago, these three sisters, blah, blah, blah. And it tells us the backstory. It's like seven or 10 years. Yeah. The and, first half spans. Yeah. Yeah, and, you're right. And so now like the half that we end in, Fanny is just getting into like, the being noticed energy, but it starts with Edmund because her her closest her closest person up until this point was William. Mm-hmm. And just imagining you being away from your family for years and years and years. And I'm going to jump ahead, but there's a point where she and William get a moment to talk to each other. And she's like hanging on every detail Mm -hmm. that he's sharing with her from home Mm -hmm. because you just have no contact with whoever that person is in your family. And for this case, it's Mm -hmm. her brother. The the growing up apart and the missing and them having such different personalities when they intertwine back together Mm -hmm. after these years of her being othered is... mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And gaslit, <sighs> and just because a whole, lot of yelling in yeah. my mind, yeah. Because like the whole energy she grows up with is like, you know, she's ten years old, and then she's told we're gonna move you away from your family and your home and everything you've ever known, but you should be so thankful for this opportunity because like this is once in a lifetime. Not everybody gets this, so you know you shouldn't be so sad. And like, of course, you miss people, but. You know, in the beginning, they talk about, you know, Lady Bertram starts getting annoyed with Fanny because it's been like a whole week and Fanny is still sad and she doesn't understand why Fanny isn't more grateful. Like the whole expectation is Fanny. It's all these people telling Fanny how she should feel. Here's how you should feel. Here's how you should feel. Mm -hmm. Here's how you should react to this situation. You're not being nice. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, ugh. You're being like sad and you're being complicated and, you know, it's just all this stuff. And so do the thing that's easy. Yeah. And get happy. Just like and be thankful. Tell us that you're happy. Tell us you're Mm -hmm. thankful. Like smile a little bit more, Mm -hmm. please. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Just everybody telling her how she should feel rather than actually listening to her and asking questions and also trying to make her feel more welcoming. And so. You know, she immediately starts, you know, we start to, I started to see and hear this, you know, build up in her mm-hmm. of just starting to feel like her voice 
was too much. It's too much to ask for something. I don't want to bother people. And so, yeah, I think where did she meet Edmund? Because it was the first like week that or two that she was there and they actually finally had a moment together, Mm -hmm. just the two of them. And he was like, what, 12 or 13, maybe? Yeah. And I think it was something like she was crying or she was upset and he came upon her in a vulnerable moment and saw her and she was just herself for mm-hmm. just a moment but he saw that yeah and then and mm-hmm. he started asking questions like are you sick are you what about this and she can't really she's crying and so she's not really able to talk and she's also a little afraid to talk to him because no one else has been understanding and just snapped back at her and um basically made all of her feelings illegitimate and so It's he just keeps pressing and she notes that about how he never gave up like he was resilient and just every time I'd say no that's not it and like I'm okay I'm fine he just kept going and finally he picks up he's an intuitive kid and he picks up on the fact that she starts talking more about William because he starts moving on of like well do you miss your family do you miss your home like you tell me about your brothers and sisters and then he starts asking her questions when like he realizes, oh, she's talking more about her family. She kind of brightens up a little bit. Tell me about your brothers and sisters. And, you know, oh, you talk about William a lot. Tell me about him. And then it comes out that she's sad she hasn't written to him. Yeah. And he so, was supposed to write me first. Yeah. But like. No, she was supposed to write him first. She was supposed to write him. To but, say like, hey, I'm settled. Yes. Now we can talk. And she has no pen and she has no, no paper. paper. And he's like, well, you know what, How Fanny? would she get it to the post? I mean, let me tell you. He's got mm-hmm. some problem solving skills yes. for her. <laughs> and the way that he presents it, I mean, yeah. I was comforted as the reader. It's like, well, <laughs> like, hey, Fanny. I feel so much better. Yeah. He just makes everything seem so easy, you know, and she's she's constantly concerned about, oh, my gosh, no, we couldn't ask for that. And, well, is that going to be OK? Like, what if somebody realizes there's, you know, paper and a pen missing? And he just is very calm and and seems to be Mm -hmm. yeah just this relaxing presence and makes it seem so easy like yeah there's we have paper and a pen over here we've got lots of them and Mm -hmm. we write letters all the time Mm -hmm. i'll go get you some sir thomas is going to the post then yeah no problem sir thomas will take it tomorrow Mm -hmm. so i'll just take it to my dad and it's she just post it. she's such an inconvenience <laughs> to like well, her they've existence. Made her feel that yeah, way. yeah, it's like her existence is an inconvenience and yes. it just it's affecting her ability to just literally accept kindness, mm-hmm. not just niceness, but mm-hmm. actual kindness because she yes. hasn't encountered a lot of kindness mm-hmm. at Mansfield Park. It's a lot of nice. Yeah, a lot of backhanded niceness, mm-hmm. but not kindness. Yes. And everybody has been making a really big deal again because Lady Bertram makes it all about her and her niceness. Like, look at this nice thing I'm doing. I'm helping. And, oh, my gosh, I'm such a planner. And Austin says that, too, how she just really likes to plan things. She just loves to organize stuff. And so it's just the excitement and the adrenaline of, like, oh, I'm doing something. And, And so, yeah, meeting Edmund in the beginning was ugh, such a relief. Again, I didn't know any of the characters and I didn't know what was coming. And exactly. Now she has a buddy. Yeah. She's got a buddy. Jane's throwing stuff at us and it's like, what is it? Okay. And then they start because Sir Thomas goes to um somewhere his property mm-hmm. in 
the Caribbean or oh yeah, he has a plantation in Antigua. We're talking about slavery. Yep, sure are. We're not gonna brush over that because yep. Jane Austen addresses that shit. And how that's cool. how they got their money. Um, what, what? Yeah, how cool is it that a woman back in the you know eighteen elevens ish, whenever these books were made, mm-hmm. but making a point i think this was published perfect thank Mm -hmm. you but making a point about hey this is how this family is living but where are they actually getting their money Mm -hmm. and um sir thomas has to go there in person Mm -hmm. instead of sending you know a representative so obviously there's some something keeping him away from Mm -hmm. you know home something big yeah foreign plantations Mm -hmm. that's how they made their wealth yep we're calling that out. Yeah. There it is. There it is. That's what it was. And Austin's talking about it, too. Mm-hmm. She's not going to cover that up. No. Mm-mm. Nay, nay. That's no, where no, no, no. came from. Yeah. Other people's. I also found that interesting. I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, here we are right now. Because we, I don't think we've covered slavery in Sense and Sensibility or Pride and Prejudice. This is the first time it's come up. Because mm-hmm. there are servants there are household servants in the regency era Mm -hmm. but usually Mm -hmm. that was typically more people um who were still from that area Mm -hmm. not a lot of people who were not from england Mm -hmm. mostly yeah well and i think it's interesting i don't know for me as an american reader Mm -hmm. it was interesting to see that pop up because I I guess just we are slavery is just very, very close in American history. Yeah. It's v- extremely close. And so and, you know, we in in America, um, Americans brought a lot of slaves over from Africa mm-hmm. and captured people and held them here. And so. It was just eye opening to me and thinking about that because. I guess I don't think a lot about slavery elsewhere, even though I know it happens, but I just don't think about it logistically as much as I do in, in American history because I'm so much closer to it. United yes. States. And so the thought of how and also that's just not a part of like um, uh, English history, like with mm-hmm. us in America, there are. If, especially when you go down to the south, like there's a lot of standing plantations still. They're not yeah. active, but those buildings are there. A lot of those homes are there. They've mm-hmm. been converted into museums. And there's also a lot of conversation about what to do with that land and those homes. And yeah. so that tends to be a hot topic and a controversial conversation here in America. Um, and and I just don't know of that in the English country, like the English countryside. Mm-hmm. We don't see pictures of plantations and stuff no. so this was really wasn't there it wasn't part it of was, their landscape no it was it hands was elsewhere off. it was send a letter yes. and the money happens yes mm-hmm. like they bought land in another country so that opened up also like a whole other can of historical worms for me mm-hmm. and i there's just like not as much in the book it's really just references it's just a few yeah. paragraphs but for me as there, a yeah. reader mm-hmm. that really got my mind buzzing yeah and i was like this is a whole thing that i haven't been faced with yet in jane austen and something that's really opening up a lot of questions for me yeah interesting interesting mm-hmm. interesting so while he goes and takes care of his business mm-hmm. overseas, 
in person Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. his plantation. The children decide to get up to putting together a play. Oh, wait, hang on. We got to we got to rewind, though. Oh, wait. Yeah. Because this is when they're adults is they start putting on this play. So hold on. We got to rewind first. We still need to do a little bit of kids stuff. There's a little bit of kids stuff. Uh, So after she, Fanny lives at Mansfield Park for five years, Mm -hmm. right? And then it comes out that she is now going to live with her other aunt. So she's 10. Do you remember this? She's 15. Is she 15 now? Mm -hmm. I thought it was five years. Oh, no, 15. Yes, thank you. Because she gets there at 10. So it's five years. She's 15. And it comes out like, hey, you're going to go live with your other aunt now. Mm-hmm. And like, you're not going to live at Mansfield Park anymore. Um, her other aunt's husband had died a few years ago. And so she was becoming like more involved with the Mansfield Park family. And it came out that, OK, you're going to go and like be her companion. And that's going to be that was like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And she was very sad about this. Mm-hmm. But then we got to see Edmund again. Yes. Be a very comforting friend mm-hmm. as they had now grown up together for the last five years. And this is where I really started to see like Edmund's maturity. For me, it was a significant moment because we again see that Edmund never tells Fanny how to perceive a situation or how to feel about a situation. Mm-hmm. What he does, though, is he offers explanations. And so there's, you know, there's and he never makes Fanny feel stupid like he's never out there to make her feel stupid because there are a lot of things. Fanny grew up in a very, you know, different world for the first 10 years. And so there is a lot of stuff that she knows that her cousins don't know and vice versa. They they just know different rules to life. Yeah. And so. Edmund explains, and also this was like good exposition for me as the reader. Yeah, it's like thank you, Jane. Thank <laughs> it's like you thanks for explaining much. the significance of why she would go and live with somebody else because my heart is just feeling torn open. Yeah, <laughs> and so you know he explains to her though that hey, you know what, Fanny, there are a lot of things. He's like, first of all, my mom is not good with teenagers and adults. Like your time, your prime time with her has passed. (laughs) Like my aunt has nothing to offer you now. Jump the ship while you can. (laughs) Like he's just forthcoming about that. And, and I think too, that again, like um, he's really encouraging her feelings. Like you feel that way and you're right. Like she has nothing, there's nothing she can do for you now. Okay. She's, she's over it. And um, that's not where her skill set is. But like this other aunt, Mrs. Norris, she actually hates kids. And so although your, you know, idea of her, she's been a scary person in your life, all that stuff, you're 15 now. Like you are a woman now. And as her companion, I bet that she's going to treat you better because that's what Mrs. Norris does. And so, you know, try to be open to this, but and like try not to be afraid of it because I think it, the situation has changed. And there's here are things that you will you know, have the opportunity to learn with Mrs. Norris. And so, like, you get to make this what you want it. And we're still going to see each other because Mrs. Norris comes over all the time. So it's not like you're completely leaving. And, you know, it was that point where I just every time Edmund comes in, my heart is just warmed because it is interesting. The, you know, the situation that the aunts have crafted, Mrs. Norris and Lady Bertram is... Definitely a crafty plan. 
And I like they all of it is nice. And they've they're really setting Fanny up for some like opportunity to advance the social ladder. It's one of those things, though, that because of her, you know, the way that they've presented this to her and how they continue to talk about her and, you know, separate her from the other cousins and build that otherness. They're not giving her the room to grow in the way that they potentially could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that this is a, the type of opportunity that also it's one step, but it takes generations to grow. It's not going to be instant. And, you know, all of a sudden she's going to be queen the next day. And <laughs> there's yeah. And there's also just a lot of attitude, which is also present in American culture for sure. It's it's again different because we have Hollywood. And so mm-hmm. we've kind of got two sets of stars. We've got political stars, which is the old money. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, that's a lot of people where I think they just came over from the motherland and <laughs> were already rich. Like they were some of the first settlers. And then it's Morgan, like mm-hmm. was that old money? <laughs> that's that old money. <laughs> and and then, you know, we have Hollywood, where it's a lot of that's the American dream is Mm -hmm. you just get, you know, you make it big and you get rich. And that does happen. It does. But a lot of it's still old money. And and so it's interesting because we have that dynamic in America. And so I it's fascinating to me to read things like this about England, because we've got this lord and this lady and their money is so old I mean, who knows? I mean, that's old money. Mm-hmm. Like our old money in America is like it started in the 1700s. And their old yeah. money probably started when there was just, you know, three digits in the year. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's with their copper like coins that in the bronze <laughs> age. In the bronze age. <laughs> so that's just that's hard for me to Mm -hmm. fathom but you know and there there is attitude in america too obviously like there's there's definite attitude and most of it too is i I think well i think i can't say most but i think a lot of it at least in my perspective is racial yeah because again hello slavery that's a huge big stain on our history and it's very close to us still yeah and a huge part of our conversation and for england at this time that we're reading about it's a little different everyone's white everyone's pale that's right and so it's it's english countryside it's just about your money yeah and your status and your status Mm -hmm. and And your land like who were who were your parents who were your great great grandparents? Mm-hmm. Who the fuck cares? Well, apparently they do. Oh my god, they care <laughs> yeah, so much. So I could not care mm-hmm. any less. Mm-mm. I don't want to know. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> so it's yeah. I'm gonna get off my soapbox now because it looks like you have a passage. No, I don't. I don't have a passage. Please stay on your soapbox. <laughs> 
actually, you know what, dude? There's just a lot of things in this book that really got me revved up, man. And that's the thing. It's like, (laughs) I'm loving this. I've dog-eared like three pages, and one of them is the conversation that um, Lady Bertram and Miss Norris have where we realize that there's a misunderstanding and that Mm. how could Fanny actually come to live with me, me, a single woman? Oh, it would be so hard. I'll Mm -hmm. do what's best for the family, but it shouldn't be this thing. Thank you. Yep. Now let's let's jump into that. You want to look at that? These are all important things. made me really mad. That we had to talk about before we get to the play because okay. I'm so excited yeah. to talk about the play. Yeah. Oh okay. my god! All right, <laughs> it's on this page right before because there were two paragraphs that were really nice. But um, yeah, so she says, "I think, sister, we need not keep Miss Lee any longer when Fanny goes to live with you." Miss Norris almost started. Live with me, dear Lady Bertram? What do you mean? Is she not to live with you? I thought you had settled it with Sir Thomas. Me? Never. I never spoke a syllable about it to Sir Thomas, nor he to me. Fanny live with me? The last thing in the world for me to think of, or for anyone to wish, that really knows us both. Good heaven! What could I do with Fanny? Me! A poor, helpless, forlorn widow, unfit for anything. Her husband just died. Mm -hmm. My spirit quite broke down. What could I do with a girl at her time of life? A girl of 15? At the very age of all others to need the most attention and care? And to put the cheerfulness, the cheerfulest spirits to the test? Sure, Sir Thomas could not seriously expect such a thing. Sir Thomas is too such, my friend. Nobody that wishes me well, I am sure, would propose it. How came Sir Thomas to speak to you about it? It's... We also read all about this because she and Lady Bertram were writing letters back and forth about their plan because Mm -hmm. originally Mrs. Norris was going to take Fanny when she was 10. Yes. And then Lady Bertram was like, we'll take her later. But then something happened and they just decided she's going to go to Mansfield Park first. Yep. So we as the reader already know that this is bullshit because we read all of these letters. Shenanigans. (laughs) Freaking shenanigans. It's just so Fanny is just gaslit through this whole thing. Doesn't know the deal. And like... (sighs) Who's going to take her? She's not even that, like, she's not even a bother. Like, that's the other thing is, nah. like, Fanny's just quiet. That's all happened. Okay? So that that's where we are now. Yeah. Sam, what happens next? Fanny's 15. What happens next? Then we do the play. Do we do the play? Oh, my God. There's a play. There's a play. So all of a sudden. Okay. Let me tell you. Yeah. I'm listening to this book. Yeah. And I'm trying to keep up with, like, where is Fanny? What is she doing yep. now? And Sir Thomas now goes to Antigua. He leaves. Uh-huh. That's when he goes to his plantation. There it is. There's that plot point. Yep. Now we're here. <laughs> okay. And now we're here. So then all the kids decide to put on a play. Everybody's grown up. Uh, is it? Okay. So her two cousins, she has the Bertrams. There's These are her cousins by marriage. She's There's two girls. One is Mary and there's another one. And they're both just two, within two years of her. So one of them is was 11 when they met and one of them was 12 when they met maria bertram both and mary is it literally mary and maria no there's a mary crawford there is a mary crawford maybe that's who i'm thinking of mary crawford who are the other girls good lord julia that's who it is it's julia and maria that's who i'm thinking of well my character she doesn't even have julia on it Boo. So, that, I was like, what is her name? 
Okay. Yes, because then there's Mary Crawford. Thank you. So, yeah, Maria and Julia are her two cousins by marriage. And then there's Edmund. Yes. And then Tom is the eldest. So mm-hmm. Tom is the one. Is he the one that goes with Sir Thomas? Yes. Or is that so, beforehand? So he leaves at some point. Okay. I can't remember. Yeah. First read through. We'll know more. Yeah. Next he's time. a little he's mm, mm, pictured as a little irresponsible and he's the eldest. And so he's supposed to take over. And then it's Edmund, who is extremely compassionate and intuitive and uh all around wonderful but he is gonna become a clergyman so he's just set on that he's set on that and that wasn't knowledge for everyone and so there were a few funny moments where they're shit talking about the church and the clergy Mm -hmm. and the type of people Mm -hmm. they become clergymen we knew because fanny knew because Uh he told fanny Mm -hmm. and fanny Uh always like she grew up knowing this Uh but like he really wants to be a clergyman and Yep, that was that was some drama. And so then they're standing there. There's this moment where what is it, Maria and the guy that has a crush on what is his name, Henry? What's his face? Oh yes, Henry. Yep. Um, and not the guy that's actually trying to marry her. Mm-mm. Yep. And there's like <laughs> shenanigans, oh, you guys. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like there's so many. There's so many fuck boys. There's uh, a couple fuck girls. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh no. Yes, because yeah, during this whole time, you're right. There is uh Mr. What is his name? Mr. Rushworth. So Thank Mr. You. Rushworth is there, and he is pursuing Maria, the uh eldest of the Lady Bertrams, and he wants to marry her. He like has good money. He's like, he's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with him. And everybody kind of says that. They're like, yeah, he's a good catch. And you know, Maria's totally into this until Henry Crawford en- enters the picture mm-hmm. and starts what a flirty little fuck he is. And he's just he's just going all over the place. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. Love a Regency era fuck boy. We found him. That's right. We found him. We Ayo. found him. Henry Crawford, you won the Regency fuck boy award. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So all these shenanigans are going on. Mm -hmm. And then the cousins decide to put on a play. Okay. I need to talk about this for a second. Okay. Okay. You're minding your own business reading this book. I'm minding my own business listening to this book. Mm -hmm. It's going in the way that I would expect an Austin book to go. I have identified the protagonist and now been introduced to some of the antagonists. And we're all like grown up. So I'm like, oh, now it's going to get flirty and romantic. OK, here we go. We're starting to pair off and she's starting to, you know, draw out who's flirting with who and all this stuff. And there's proposals being talked about. Great. I'm in. And then all of a sudden. We have a play within the story and I fucking love a story within a story it gets so meta Mm -hmm. and i fucking love that like when there's plays about people putting on a play or it's like hey it's all about the behind the scenes or it's like a show about a show like omg Um, high school the musical the movie the musical the movie correct high school which i know you love the musical i know whichever however Mm -hmm. it said it was so good and so here we are putting on a play 
And okay, so something else, I have a personal story to share right now. So this really hit me and I enjoyed these next couple chapters because it's about three chapters, I think, that they're putting on this play or like just preparing for it. And yeah. it's just assigning parts. And oh, literally, that's about, all it is. Yeah. And but it's not all it is, because no. what Austin's doing is she is setting up the scene. We're getting this exposition about how all of the characters now interact now that they're adults. And here are the bonds that have happened. Here are all the relationships. Here's the part I have to have you play because if you play this other part, I can't keep a straight face. Yes. I I noticed, you know, the boys coming in Mm -hmm. to be dominant and, you know, really silencing the girls about what parts they wanted and dealing things out and just taking over right away. Hmm. Hmm. So it was just interesting to have that all laid out for me and start to really understand like, oh, great, here's how all the characters have grown. And so we're doing this and fucking love that. And, you know, I'm I'm also thinking about other scenes where this has happened in my life. Like I immediately am thinking about Sound of Music where they're doing their marionette show. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of picturing like that situation where I'm like, uh, and so I am like, oh, my God, I'm loving this. And that was the picture I got in my head. And then I realized that I had a reference that you did not know about because it's still on our list of things to watch. Oh, no. Okay. So in one of my favorite books, one of my favorite YA books from my preteen hood uh, <laughs> is Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Uh, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, yep, and there yep. are four books, but there are two <laughs> movies. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Yep. Uh, they choose in the fourth movie, they mash up plots from across the last three books. And so they just kind of bring in all the components they like. And then that's the second movie. And they round it up, which is fine. They, it was cute. They did a good job. And so in the second one, though, the main plot plot that they choose for America Ferreira's character is she goes to theater camp. So she gets really into theater. There's a play within a movie. Exactly. (laughs) And so like I loved reading that book where it was her at theater camp and her whole thing. It's very Mansfield Park right now because America's whole thing is her character is very shy and she like has a hard time coming out of her shell. And so she is a tech crew person and she is the best. Like she is a stage manager. She is amazing, but she's mm. always insists like I'm behind the scenes. I'm behind the scenes only. I'm behind the scenes. And her cam- when she goes to camp, her uh, roommate is like the star of theater and she's like you know a main main principal actress and she's very into that persona of hers and you know, she's not like outwardly mean or intentionally sabotaging. Mm-hmm. It's just more she's very full of herself and starts realizing like, oh, my roommate kind of has some challenge, even though she's just tech crew. And how do I deal with this? And so, of course, that's all about America Ferreira's character finding her voice mm. and like stepping up to just fulfill her potential and chase her joy. And so I'm hearing all of this and I'm like, oh, my God. Is Mansfield Park going to be about Fanny Price finding her voice and like accepting herself and Mm -hmm. being strong, which made me very excited Mm -hmm. because, again, where this like whole book differs for me so far is that Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility, we, 
got strong female protagonists. Yes. And their thing, like they all made mistakes and go th- went through growth, but they were all sure of themselves. Like, and made decisions. And they made decisions. They were outspoken. They were sure of their themselves. They were confident in who they were, even if they were different. You know, there was never any like animosity uh, or jealousy really between the Dashwood sisters or, uh, you know, our family in Pride and Prejudice. I have too many names going on. Yeah. Why am I there. blanking on this? It's fine. That was like Them. two months ago. It doesn't matter. I can't even right now. No, There's too much it. in my head. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> like even though all of those sisters were different, especially in Pride and Prejudice, there's five of them all with distinct personalities. They are all adamant and about who they are. And, and they are so true themselves. to themselves. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they are so true to themselves. And that is really, you know, the plot of those books and what we deal with is like, okay, how does this these self-assured women approach the world and how does the world react to them when they are outspoken and they're not following the grain? But in Mansfield Park, it flips. And here we have, we're showing for the first time too, this girl who grows up away from her family, away from comfort, because Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice are so family-centric. They're insulated. Yes. And they love their families and they are very loyal to their family units mm-hmm. versus here where we almost see an orphan type character or, uh, you know, not quite orphan, but yeah, it's but <laughs> she kind of grows up in the in between. She doesn't have weird. She doesn't have that strong parental bond like yes. our main characters have had with. Yeah. Yep. And now we're seeing. As we start putting on this play, we are really seeing the result of Fanny's upbringing, where she is mousy. She is unsure of herself. She doesn't like to speak up because she's just worried, I'm going to bother somebody. I'm going to, you know, she waits for somebody to give her instructions. She doesn't allow herself and her mind uh, to really react to situations Mm -hmm. or you know she doesn't really allow herself to lead in conversations in actions in the moment yeah no and she just kind of sets it's not that she's incapable of it it's just she you know has been wired for survival in this community that she's unfamiliar with and feels so alien to and so this is just how she survived is just not going to wreck the boat, not going to upset anybody. Like, I want to stay in good standing because I'm really lucky to be here. I'll just be here. And so I just, like, need to wait. Mm -hmm. And putting in her time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is just, I'm, again, I'm enjoying this book so much because it's a new story. There were a lot of, although Austin still managed to create these original characters in her first two novels, there were a lot of similar plot lines. There were a lot of similar tropes. Mm-hmm. And this one, I feel like she is just giving me brand new content and like totally pulling it off mm-hmm. and getting into this mind of Fanny Price and her insecurities, just so many insecurities. Yeah. And I am just so excited because I think that's what this book is going to be about. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be about Fanny finding her voice about Fanny sticking up for herself, yeah. Fanny learning how to 
get her own and what she deserves. And she is still going to be the sweet, intuitive person that she already is. Yeah. And so that's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. And as we got into this scene, I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Is this what's happening? Is this what's happening? The the quiet pining, the quiet noticing, the little intricacies. And also when the book, how the book is written, sometimes there's things in parentheses that it's like she said smilingly or he smiled or Mm -hmm. there are, you know, some um, Mm -hmm. inflections on words. And so watching them set up this play and assign parts and everything it was just very cute to see where it's leading mm-hmm. and also the relationships that they have now cultivated with each other. Yes. And Fanny just gets to watch. She does a lot of observing. Yes. She does a lot of noticing. Yes. Which I feel as, you know, we're we're seeing things mainly through her eyes. Uh, that's fun for me because I'm like, great. You just tell me what you're seeing and noticing. Oh, like, I'm picking up on all this, girl. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. <laughs> the, I just can't get over that I know these characters. Like, this is such true human mm. behavior. Like, snotty aunts, kids who don't understand others, the feeling of alienation. Like, these, mm-hmm. it's just nuts that this is still so applicable today. Mm-hmm. Like, we keep on yelling about of these are the same things that people experience common themes throughout history family dynamics passive Mm -hmm. aggressiveness no matter how privileged your life appears human beings still have feelings we all feel sadness we all feel guilt we all feel jealousy and resent and uncertainty like those are just all a part of the human experience no matter who you are how much money you have how big your house is and you know telling somebody that they don't deserve to feel that way is is cruel mm-hmm. it is and you know and that in itself is abusive to emotionally abusive to tell somebody you're not allowed to have those feelings or you shouldn't yeah. and you should feel bad about that like and the fear of when in the future she starts feeling those feelings and mm-hmm. being like oh this is put up the you know yeah, the red flags like we're not going down this road. We're going to stay mm-hmm. shielded. We're going to stay quiet. We're not going to speak up for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's not being taught how to. Yeah. How to comfort herself mm-hmm. or like what that is like to be comforted and, you know, setting up those those standards for her. That's yeah. all being lost. Yeah. And now this is this is the result. It's like a little social experiment here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting, too, because, you know, these are things as well as like the last hundred years, seriously, the last hundred years of psychology mm-hmm. and and how that has developed as a profession and a science. Like these are things that we're learning is the, you know, intent that we put into kids and to fostering their connection, connection yeah. and their comfort mm-hmm. and, um, you know, this this feeling valued and and teaching kids how to be their true selves versus how to fit into society you know that there's value in that and that some of the things that you know we forget as adults (laughs) can be harmful and so it's and I think too it's just all about those patterns you know again when we are working with the Lord and Lady Bertram 
and just their unawareness. You know, they're trying to be generous people, but they're missing the mark because they're just so oblivious. Yeah. So oblivious. And they just choose not to take the time. And that's what I think it is, is that kindness and connection and compassion that takes time. Like you actually have to sit. You have to sometimes you know, remove your personal stories to allow somebody that space to open up. And, you know, comforting somebody is, I think, also sometimes a very quiet thing. And self-centered, if you're a little more self-centered and like maybe an opportunity you think to like share all your stories and like talk about yourself because you're maybe trying to comfort, but it's not actually. Mm -hmm. It's like you need to give space and light to that person to help them feel seen. And and taking in that compassion mm-hmm. sometimes just takes time. Yeah. So they're no just spending time on Fanny. <sighs> they're making so many mistakes. But like, you know, the road <laughs> to hell is paved with good intentions. And I think that's really oof, the tagline of this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone's kind of trying, but like we're all really missing the mark here. Yeah, that's the thing. Ugh. It's like so many efforts, it's but they're way. all the wrong efforts. Yes. All the wrong efforts in all the wrong places. Ugh. I was also the kid mm-hmm. who um I loved to put on plays with my friends and like shows. And so this was also incredibly nostalgic and hit a big part of my heart because this was a lot of what I did as a child. Like we my parents had a lot of friends from college who spread out a little bit. And so everybody was like within an hour or so with of each other. And so you know, a few times a year, we'd go there, they'd come to us, things like that. And so the parents are conversing, they're playing cards upstairs, and the kids are in the basement. Yep. And Everyone's hanging out down there. We're playing. And we, most of us love to play dress up. And then we'd think of little plays to put on. Sometimes it was an original, and we we're like, let's make a sequel to The Wizard of Oz. What would that look like? And all of this stuff. One time it was just a flat out fashion show. And so someone was the MC, and mm-hmm. we were the models and, you know, all of this stuff. And so, yeah, this and it's, so their whole conversation, which I, I really stayed in tune for. And I think this could have been a very boring sequence because it is just it's all talking and it's just back and forth. They're talking about, like you said, who. Like, who's going to play what part? Who's better for what part? How are we going to, like, what's the scenery going to look like? What are we going to have for props? And we got to make these decisions so that we don't waste money. Let's be yeah. thoughtful and quick about this. Like, the whole and, chapter itself is yeah. just picking out the play. And they're debating about mm-hmm. drama or comedy. They're talking about a couple different playwrights. Shakespeare comes up, which I was excited about because I was like, I know him. I know him. <laughs> Wow, look at that. <laughs> That's also the fascinating You're thing like, is when they Those m- are the good ones. Yes. And they mention stuff like that. And I'm like, oh my God, that's still relevant today. Wow. I wish Jane Austen knew that that was still relevant yeah. today. Good pick, Jane. 300 years later. Mm-hmm. That's right. Amazing. No, yeah. 200 years later. A th- Math. Thousand years later. Yes. And I'll tell you why I'm thinking that because let's talk about this play. Do you did you recognize this play? It's called Lover's Vow that they decide to put on. No, I Great. do not know anything about this play. Do you want to hear some about it? I do want to hear something okay. about it. And I do. And I want to hear something about it. Awesome. After I pause. Let's it's, take it's not going to be a stretch break. What if we talk about what if we take a stretch break right now, though? Because oh. it seems like it could be a good time. I mean, yes, I think we should. We should do a stretch break. I'll take break. one. Yeah. 
Okay. Let's all take one. Let's all take everyone. Okay. Hydration, stretching. Here we go. We'll be back. Hey, AbPod listeners. Hope you're feeling groovy and this episode is bringing a slice of nice to your day. Did you know you could follow AquariusBehavior.pod on Instagram to see weekly episode updates and behind the scenes podcast pictures? Yeah, it's true. You can also email the show at AquariusBehavior.pod at gmail.com to share your friendship stories or suggest a segment. Stay hydrated, buddies. Now on with the show. Welcome back to Aquarius Behavior. It's a best friends podcast. We are talking today about Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. Mm -hmm. So if that's not your thing, no judgment. Come back later. Uh, Otherwise, it's been interesting. So... Stay tuned. We had to walk it off. It's been a fucking riot. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I also love these episodes because then I can just swear Mm -hmm. all the time, which I'm normally doing in regular life. So I think people tend to think I'm an angry person, but I just swear a lot. Mm -hmm. It's it's just uh, an exclamation point. It's just how I express myself. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, Okay, so we're talking about, before we move on to the dinner scene, which is the last big part of chunkle our Mm -hmm. chunk here that we're reading this first half uh we need to talk a little bit about this play that the cousins were putting on so the whole you know where we are now right fanny price leaves her home at the age of 10 she goes to live with her aunt and uncle who are rich at the age of 15 her aunt says hey you're gonna be leaving and living with your other aunt but then her other aunt is like uh no thank you i actually never said that that was going to happen uh i was jk loling all these years and that's not gonna happen uh-huh. so then she ends up staying at mansfield park <laughs> the whiplash this girl has been through oh yes. poor thing so she's staying now at mansfield park for her teen years and coming out ages and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But and is she out, Morgan? But is she? But is she out? Well, these are the conversations we'll talk about. So uh, the cousins decide that they want to put on a play in celebration of uh, their dad coming home, Fanny's uncle, after he's out at their plantation checking on things. And they choose a comedy called Lover's Vows. Now, I didn't know. I've never heard of this play before. Mm-mm. So I wanted to look into a little bit because it was among Shakespeare and, you know, as they were throwing out different suggestions. So I was intrigued. Like, what is this? Why did we lock on this one? Mm -hmm. So Lover's Vows, I found out, was in English basically kind of a, a an adaptation, an English adaptation of a German text that was written in the late 1700s. And so it was, I think, about 1780 that it was written. And the German play, I don't know if it's a play or a book. I'm going to call it a play um, because I think it was. Solid, solid. Yep, yep, yep. The German play. Love that. And I'm going to butcher this. I apologize. I don't actually speak German. But it looks like it is called Das Kind der Liebe which translate to love child. And so this German play was saucy. Scandalous. It was a saucy play. Okay? This play includes, uh, like, sex out of wedlock, which was scandalous. It involves, like, illegitimate children. So basically, like, the summary of this play, uh, Lover's Vows, is 
Elizabeth Inchbald wrote this play in 1798. A woman. A woman. A woman. Wrote this play, okay? And this was one of four English adaptations of the German text, but only Elizabeth Inchbald's was ever actually performed. So hers is like the English adaptation that you would go. It's like the go-to one, okay? So Mm. right off the bat when I saw that, I thought that was interesting that all of the cousins, like they're talking about all these famous playwrights, most of which are men, like, oh, we could do Shakespeare, all this stuff. And they settle on Lover's Vows, which is written by a woman. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, Austin's like, yeah, stand up for my girls here. Yep. And so um, and also interesting that like it's something, too, that all of the cousins knew this play. Like all some had seen it performed before. And this is a pretty contemporary play. Like mm-hmm. they're talking about Shakespeare which is, you know, 100 years earlier to 3 1400s. I'm 15. more 15. I yeah. The 15s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. So you're mm-hmm. right. So yeah, 1500s like it's a couple hundred years old now. But this play, mind you, we're in 1814, mm-hmm. okay? And this play was written and performed in 1798. Yeah. And so it's just, this is a very contemporary play and something that's saucy. And even, I guess there is a, uh, a preface, a preface. How do I pronounce that? Preface? Sure. I like yeah. that better. It sounds prettier. So there's a preface in the play where the playwright, Elizabeth Inchbald, just explains this adaptation she's written and she's tried to translate this sensitively from the original text so that it can appeal to English audiences, Mm. meaning she tamed down the original content of this play, Mm. which I'm loving. I'm just like, you saucy lady. She had to edit the fanfic for a wider audience. (laughs) Um, That's what she needed to do. Make it more palatable for the masses. And so that's why a couple times in that scene, they're like, well, you can just skip some paragraphs if they're mm-hmm. too ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't re- I didn't realize that it was such a like saucy, yes. like saucy, saucy. Yes. <gasps> and it oh, sounds cool. The so I, I read like a synopsis of this play, and mm-hmm. ba- the main gist of this play is it's a bunch of who's who, who are you now? Like, you know, mothers meeting their sons for the first time, lovers meeting for the first time, old lovers rekindling, you know, people finding out who's related and you're her son and that was illegitimate and you're having sex right now and that's not cool by society. So I'm going to blackmail you. And, you know, it's just all of this stuff. But okay. yeah. as they mentioned, it's a comedy. So it it sounded a lot to me like I can only equate this really to Shakespeare which is what I'm more familiar with, is it sounds a lot to me kind of in the similar vein of Shakespeare's like comedy of errors Um, or Twelfth Night. You know, it's just a bunch of people running around on stage trying to figure out what the fuck is happening and who's fucking who. Yeah, who's (laughs) fucking who and who do I like but who likes me. Yeah, so like I, you know, again. And everyone's wearing a mask. Yeah, and again, like as somebody who, as I was saying in my childhood, I was a fan of home theatrics mm-hmm. um i'm i'm just sitting there like whoa this is like a real sexy play to be putting on with your cousins and like also it makes a little more sense like why we're spending so much time talking about who's playing what part because yeah there's some things that happen like it sounded like there wasn't no any sex on the stage like you know this isn't a streetcar named desire there's yeah. You know, <laughs> 
Um, but there was definitely there's a lot of like innuendos mm-hmm. and there's a lot of conversations alluding to Fuxley time behavior and naughty thoughts. Conversation mm-hmm. higher than things that they should know about or be um be literate mm-hmm. in. They they should not be able to speak of these things so yeah. easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> a play within a play. This is saucy, man. Mm-hmm. So that is what they're putting on. Thank or, you for or looking what they that up. wanted to put on because oh. as we find out, they don't actually perform it because <laughs> Lord Sir Thomas comes What's home. his face comes mm-hmm. back and they're like, oh, you came back early. Well, we were going to do this thing, but now like you're home. So there's no point. Whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll just give up. And he's just so not into it. He's <sighs> like, this is super inappropriate. I'm not into it. Yes. Let's that, continue. Because that was another thing. Mm-hmm. Like throughout the book, there's a lot of mentions to people saying like, do you know the content of this play? Did you see what this is yes, about? Have like, you Edmund, read this out loud? Yes. Edmund comes in as he's because he's Edmund is like hell bent on. I am not going to be in that play. Mm-hmm. Like I am not acting that is beneath me like I'm not going to do it and at first it was just like what is his deal like why does he this just seems fun and like you're gonna play around with your cousins and giggle it's a comedy and so that didn't make a lot of sense to me until I read the synopsis and figured out oh yeah this is like a little bit of a scandalous play like this is a bit of a wild card here and also you're not performing a classic like I feel like that kind of stuff is forgiven when it's Shakespeare because Shakespeare's a classic at that point yep it's but like watching is, old movies, performing is, old plays, yeah. it's it's fine because no. this is history. This is this is okay. This is part of the and this is contemporary. It's an adaptation of a foreign mm. text. Like yeah. it's not English, and and so the just like you know, there's a lot of layers to that. Then Ooh, yeah. yeah, and and so it was interesting to just like understand what all the whispering was about, and yeah, him asking like some of his sisters, like, do you know what this part entails? Have you have you read this? How about you read the script and then we'll talk. <laughs> like, yeah, did our does our mother know that you're going to be playing this part? Maybe you should go talk to her and just see see what she thinks. Like, it was so older brother too of just yeah. just check it out. You know, maybe just ask around. Yeah. Are you go really, talk to your mom. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to explain it to you. I love that Fanny. <laughs> as soon as they decided on that, there was a moment I can't remember all the details, but mm-hmm. Fanny quick read the whole play in one night. And there's a moment where she's just recollecting to herself, like, how are my cousins going to do this? This mm-hmm. is some, this is some slutting it up. This is some saucy stuff. This is some, um, I don't know if they would actually want to perform this. We're going to have to edit ourselves a lot. I think there's just <laughs> yeah. all of that kind of feelings when she digested what they were trying to do. So awkward. <laughs> so, so awkward. awkward. Oh. Like, guys, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it was pretty clear that like most of, the girls had not read this. Mm-hmm. It was like the guy is new. The talking about who's going to be the, you know, mm-hmm. the leading lady and whatever. But yes, like, did again. you read what the leading lady's parts are? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So that's Lover's Vow. And just a little bit of information about that play. That's really fun. Because I knew nothing about it. Some new flavor. Yeah. That's, that's a also, specific flavor right there. You know, and I think that's also, for me, I was thinking back to, again, when this Mansfield Park came out, which was 1814, and just how ama- like how progressive that was of Austin. First of all, like that shows her education mm-hmm. because again, this was a contemporary play. It'd and been out exposure. for yeah. like it'd been out for less than 25 years mm-hmm. at the time she wrote this. And so if you're not actually going to plays, if you don't know how to read, I mean, 
How would you be exposed to would a German you play? Seen this? Yeah. Like, would you have known? And you know, so those kinds of things. The fact that she knew about this play, the fact that it was also a play written by a woman that she decides to land on, which is definitely intentional, right? Mm-hmm. And just saying, hey, we're going to put this to light. Like, we're going to talk about this play that's newer, getting it out there to other people who maybe then read her book and have never heard of it or seen it mm-hmm. or can't afford to go to the playhouse. Things like that. I just, it, it was a moment where I smiled so big listening to this. I'm like, oh, girl, Jane, I see you. I see what you're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Mm. Yeah. I love that how intentional she is. Ooh, women love supporting girl. women. Yes, love it. Yes. So okay, now let's talk about dinner. Sam, mm. take it away. Well, tell us about dinner. There. So eventually, everyone is just trying to decide: is Fanny in? Is she out? Who you know? Who is in society? Who is out of society? And there's a whole bunch of talking about that. But then eventually. She is invited to dinner and it's at the mm-hmm. Grant's mm-hmm. house. And I also, yeah, as you're mm-hmm. looking for this, I also yeah. want to say, because obviously I didn't mark it. So we need to go spelunking in the book. Give yeah, me a second. This is a pinnacle moment for Fanny. And I do, you know, because right now she's 15. And so what this means for whoever is going to be her caretaker is they do have to make those decisions. And it's a pinnacle point for her of, are you going to come out? Who do we introduce you to? How do we navigate you in society so that you can, you know, step up in the ranks, so to speak? And, you know, all of those things. But unfortunately, because we've seen how she was raised, like, the Bertrams didn't think they would be doing this. They planned to give her to Mrs. Norris. And so they're just like, we got to keep you alive for five years, and then someone else is going to do all that hard work. Um, But the problem is they did not prepare Fanny for these things. They did not prepare her to come out in society Mm -hmm. or to socialize. She wasn't going to be doing that here. They kept her isolated Mm -hmm. and, you know, they they put her in a different category. They didn't educate her the same way they did her cousins. And they didn't ever make her really feel like this was a place she belonged. And these were people that she deserved to converse with. And so now we're at the point where. They're talking about that. And now that the Bertrams have her, it's, well, shit, what are we going to do with her? Yeah. Hmm. Sounds like there's some more planning. Planning and plotting. Yeah, so she gets invited to dinner at um, Mr. and Mrs. Grant's house. Upon my word, Fanny, you are in high luck to meet with such attention and indulgence. You ought to be very much obliged to Miss Grant for thinking of you and to your aunt for letting you go. And you ought to look upon it as something extraordinary, for I hope that you are aware that there is no real occasion for your going into company in this sort of way, or even dining out at all. And it is what you must not depend upon for ever being repeated, nor must you be fancying that the invitation is meant as any particular compliment to you. The compliment is intended to your uncle and aunt and me. Miss Grant thinks it a civility due to us to take a little notice of you or else it would never have come into her head and you may be certain that if your cousin julia had been at home you would not have been asked at all i'm gonna read one more i don't think everybody heard me flip up both my middle fingers but that happened and there was some severe eye rolling i take issue with that i take issue with that uh 
So then she's like, hey, so it's super cool to, you know, go to dinner. But now she spends a bunch of time ragging on what the dinner will actually be. Uh, she says, but I must observe that five is very awkward of all possible numbers to sit down to table. And I cannot be surprised that such an elegant lady as Miss Grant should not contrive better. And round their enormous great wide table, too, which fills up a room so dreadfully. Had the doctor been contented to take my dining table when I came away, as anybody in their senses would have done, instead of having that absurd new one of his own, which is wider, literally wider than the dinner table here, how infinitely better it would have been, and how much more he would have been respected. For people are never respected when they step out of their proper sphere. Remember that, Fanny. Five, only five to be sitting round that table. However, you will have dinner enough on it for ten, I dare say. The nonsense and folly of people stepping out of their rank and trying to appear above themselves makes me think it right to give you a hint, Fanny, now that you are going into company without any of us, and I do beseech and entreat you not to be putting yourself forward and talking and giving your opinion as if you were one of your, can of one of your cousins, as if you were dear Miss Rushworth or Julia. That will never do. Believe me, remember, wherever you are, you must be the lowest and the last. And though Miss Crawford is in a manner at home at the parsonage, you are not to be taking the place of her. And as to coming away at night, you are to stay just as long as Edmund chooses. Let, leave him settled to that. And if it should rain, which I think it exceedingly likely, for I never saw it more threatening for wet than in then this evening in my life, you must manage as well as you can and not be expecting the carriage to be sent for you. I certainly do not go home tonight, and therefore the carriage will not, not be out on my account. So you must make up your mind as to what may happen and take your things accordingly. The amount of personal preparation that Fanny has to take on just to exist because no one will think about her, no one will give her an afterthought, no one will plan around Fanny's needs mm -hmm. it just this whole scene was really hard for me to listen to because it's just so blatantly like you are the lowest of the low remember that and also you need to be aware because we're not going to be taking any special circumstances for you or send the carriage if it rains mm -hmm. or care about what you want or you need which is just human decency mm -hmm. yeah. like you know, telling her she has to walk home, you're now putting her on the level of the horses that pull your carriage. That is now what you have made her equal mm -hmm. in her eyes. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, she can't she can't rely on anybody. How does she trust anyone? She can't because she knows that nothing is certain in her world. And she can't predict how people will treat her from one moment to the next no. or what they're going to give her and what they're going to take away. And so it just becomes she has to prepare. Yeah. Oh, my heart breaks for her. Mm -hmm. And she's just so, you know, oh, no, I don't want to bother anybody. It's nobody's fault. I'll just be my yeah. own problem solver. Oh, my gosh. No. Yeah. No. You're a human. And, and you should start putting as much care into yourself as you do to other people because you deserve that. We all do. Yeah. Oh, Fanny. That was heartbreaking to listen to. I hated that. Yeah. This is also some like Lady Catherine de Berg level it is shit too. now. Yeah. Where it becomes like, 
you know, where she, it was always like a pleasure that she would grace you with her presence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we saw that a lot with the Bennett's cousin mm -hmm. and Mr. Collins, Mr. Collins was just like, and, Oh my goodness. Yeah. She and glanced at us. Yeah. He's always talking about like, Oh my gosh. Well, like you won't have uh, a gown that's fit for her presence, but just do your best and she'll understand. Yeah. And it's the backhanded you know, you're just compliment. So lucky that she like invited us to dinner and Oh my gosh, you should feel good about yourself because this person you know, seems to be nice to you. And it's that whole thing of like, you should rank your value based on how people treat you. Ooh. <clears throat> Which <sighs> mm. so has saying... actually the way people treat you mm -hmm. a lot of the time has little to do with you. Yeah. And so it's a lot more to do with them. Recognize when your actions have something to do, because if somebody says your actions are affecting me this way, yeah, listen to that and think about that. Ponder it, okay? But this whole thing with Fanny is, yeah, she has now learned and been conditioned to believe that her happiness, her comfort, her contentment is dependent on the emotions of the people around her. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -mm. Some no. people-pleasing behavior right there. That is some people-pleasing behavior right mm -hmm. there. And you know what? The people pleasers, we don't want to be people pleasers, okay? We'd love to not give a shit about what people sorry. think. I am <laughs> I'm speaking for myself because I am relating so much to Fanny. It hit me and I can't even get into it too much because like it'll get emotional. But I've been taking this all and I'm like, oh no. No, this is our <laughs> secret meeting of People Pleasers Anonymous. <sighs> you didn't actually know that you were here, but this is People Pleasers Anonymous. Yeah. Hi, my name is Samantha. Because it's <laughs> this, all of the internal monologues, all of the things that she's experiencing. She's just, if everyone else is happy around me, we're just going to get along. And even during these dinner scenes and everything, she's trying to come into her own, but things are still getting away from her. Yes. And yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. And then now there's even more like she's finding out too how much more is dependent on her and the way she acts. Because like we noted before, there's these conversations happening at dinner about are you out? What are we going to do with you? Now you're staying at Mansfield's Park. We've got some prominent years ahead of us. Like we have to marry you off. Like you're in your prime right now. What the fuck do we do? And then no one's been preparing her for these things. So she's now thrown in yet again to a situation which she always is, uh, where she needs to prepare for something completely unknown. Mm -hmm. And so I just imagine her little mind, you know, back there, all the wheels are turning and she's just trying to prepare herself for every possible situation she can imagine. And it's like, here's the armor, I, the emotional armor I would wear if this happened. And then if this happened, I could react this way. And because who knows? And now she's going to have to try extra hard as she always has, I feel like this girl is just working overtime constantly. Like she's trying to give it 2010 percent mm -hmm. because she has been put in a situation where she has so much catching up to do and nobody is helping her. Nobody is coaching her except for Edmund, mm -hmm. who is the one who actually explains, OK, here's what's happening right now because we're in society. And so. Like, here's what's going on and why these things are being presented and why these conversations are being had. Mm -hmm. So that's I, there it is, you know. And so ugh, that's just so complicated. And there's also something, you know, since we are in People Pleasers Anonymous meeting mm -hmm. right now. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, Welcome. I also want to say that 
you and I are also the eldest children, okay? Fanny is the eldest daughter. It is our burden. Yes. So, like, Fanny is the eldest daughter. And so there, I imagine, and she's not talked about it yet. We haven't really talked about and touched about this on the book. So I'm interested to see if this comes up or if Fanny has any feelings about this because I am feeling feelings for her. And I don't want to, like, overwhelm her with my feelings or, like, push this on her. So I'm being quiet about it. (laughs) But I'm going to say it here since we are in People Pleasers Anonymous. Yes. And so I... Welcome to PPA. (laughs) Welcome to PPA. Abpod PPA. Abpod PPA. (laughs) Thank you for joining today. And so... I am noticing that there is a lot of pressure that's been put on Fanny because she is the eldest daughter and there is a lot of potential for her to marry well. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, Lord and Lady have bequeathed money and education upon William, the eldest of the Price children. So that he can climb up in the world and then he can marry well because he will have some new money and education. Fanny, being the eldest daughter and the second eldest child, she, girl, needs to marry well. She needs to marry well. She needs to marry wealthy so that the rest of her family can also continue to thrive and be be taken taken care care of. of. Because it's the eldest children that we've learned in Jane Austen novels in the Regency era. Uh, Their duty was really, we got to make as much money and then we're going to take care of the rest of the family. If they do well, great. But if not... It falls on us. It's the domino effect. It's the it's yes. It it is the the duty of the eldest child. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is just something, again, after all of these centuries, this is still something that I I feel. And I think this is just a thing yeah. with like birth order that like you do, you feel this duty and you like have a bit of that caretaker role of like as you get older, it's like, well. I got to care for my siblings. Like, I got to make sure they're okay. Like, and so I wonder if Fanny feels this pressure. Because for me, as the reader, I am very angry about it right now. I am angry because I'm just like, oh my God, I bet Fanny just feels so much pressure right now because it is like she not only has to do this in a very complicated way, but she is got the weight of at least seven other siblings on her shoulders like her doing well here her adapting her ability to camouflage and fit in to this world she's been thrown into means the success for all of her younger siblings that she loves and just their entire future and that's a lot of fucking pressure. Yeah, so, is. like, again, we have another situation, even though she loves her family, we have another situation where, like, her just ability to exist and her right to exist, so it would seem, depends upon the feelings of other people. Mm-hmm. Everything is external for Fanny right now. And she doesn't even have the time. And we haven't even, I haven't noticed a whole lot where Fanny actually talks about how she feels about situations, in, unless it's fear. No. Mm-hmm. Like, we see a lot of fear. We or hear a lot of fear. Or embarrassment. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, it's a lot of embarrassment. It's it's a lot of that which we get. But when it's other situations where people are talking about her or saying what they're going to do with her, 
it, it seems to me it's a lot more of her planning then and saying like, oh my gosh, I don't know what this means. And wow, I'm going to be, you know, leaving and I got so used to this place and this is where my heart is. So like what that, what is that going to be like? How am I going to survive in that situation? And so it's just Uh more, a lot more planning instead of her taking the time to just notice herself. It's about, okay, how can I make people in that situation happy? How can I do the right thing? How can I be like good and obedient and just make sure that this goes well? She takes make a, my family proud. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like make sure my siblings are okay. Yeah. She just she takes on and absorbs all of the responsibility for how other people feel. Mm. And that is so much more than anyone should be expected to do. Yeah. Like and she and, and the only person she's excluding in this is herself. Oh, it's herself. So she's, yeah, she's concentrated on how everybody else feels and what she can do to make sure they are feeling comfortable. But she completely excludes herself as a person from that consideration. She's not a variable. Absolutely not a variable. Oh. So I, yeah, so that, again, is something we haven't, at least I haven't noticed a, a lot of. But how I started having feelings about that towards the end of our first section and really thinking about her role as a sibling, because we've been so focused on her role as a uh, as a foster daughter, essentially, and a foster sibling and what that looks like and feels like for her and how she's growing and adjusting that we haven't gotten a lot about her siblings yet. And I'm really I'm thinking in the next half. We're going to get it all. We're going to get it I into think Fanny's brain. We're going to have to because mm-hmm. William is still like out and about. And yeah, and we're waiting to meet him. Have you not met William? And then. Did you meet William? Well, I'm setting this up now. OK. Because, and then. And then we meet William. And then. <laughs> I was looking because you've been paging through your book. Oh, yeah. So yeah, now yeah. I'm making eye contact okay. with you to so pass off jump the ball into this part. of. <clears throat> and then. And then. And then, so at this dinner, uh, because Morgan, as in typical book nook fashion, if we're not careful, it's going to be two hours long. So jumping in. Give the people what they want. You know, you guys. I've heard fans, fans, some fans have told us this is their favorite episode. You guys. Some fans haven't said anything to us. Some listeners have said this is their favorite episode. Mm-hmm. And I will say, the Book Nook episodes are still the highest ranked highest performing mm-hmm. in our data anal, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about well, next week and in so our mini-sode. The fun little nugget that people don't know is that this is the freshest episode yet, because this is going live tonight at midnight. <laughs> We're also recording this on a Tuesday, because life has been very hectic, and we... Our, our thing, side story right mm-hmm. now, before mm-hmm. we get into meeting William... Mm-hmm. I need to like start a wink at you too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so <clears throat> we have always said together, Wednesday is the latest we will, or no, excuse me, Monday is the latest we will record. That's right. Monday is the latest because then we have all of Tuesday. We can do the Instagram post, and then sometimes we're like a couple weeks ahead mm-hmm. because we don't have things where it's like we have to talk about this in the moment. Yeah. And so we're able to stack them a little bit. Mm. But I had. I cashed in a Tuesday token. <laughs> I, I love that you in. called that. It, it, you <clears throat> called it that yesterday, and it was like yeah. Tuesday token. Well, it has yeah. a cute name. I like it. No, 
there's yep it's i cashed in a tuesday token because it's been a time and everyone's been super it's you know we're in may it's the beginning of summer it's just like things are happening movement. right now movement there's is happening movement. the seasons are changing mm-hmm. it's big it's big yeah and so we are here recording on tuesday mm-hmm. here we are and it's this is this is live at midnight so yeah it's it's just a freshie hours from now <sighs> no I just okay. So talking about Fanny and siblings, because we get to a point now. She mm-hmm. sees William. They're able to hang out and like catch up. And as I was saying at the beginning of this episode, was they get a chance to sit down, and she just drinks in every little bit of everything that he has to tell her about her family and what's been going on and the little things. And you just see how hungry Fanny is for like. The connection that she knew from years zero through 10, you know, that's that's what I mean, equivalent third, fourth grade. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that about 10 years old in America? So, yeah, because it's been five years since they've seen each other. So they've grown up. They've become adults. I remember real memories from third, fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth grade and how like those friendships and everything and not being able to see your sibling through those puberty years and through Mm. just the growth and the not being able to just witness your family grow and change. Mm-hmm. You're you're kind of out of the storyline a little bit. And it's it's um yeah, it's I mean, this movie or excuse me, this book is just all about isolation and mm-hmm. not really having a spot to belong. And so finally William's here and they're like, yeah. okay, commonality, let's talk about all of the things and also what his goals are and how he's going to go out in the world and become like a what is it, lieutenant or lieutenant or something like mm-hmm. that. Yep. Yeah. He joined he joined the army. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. Yeah. And so he, and that was also, so like the army, I feel like the army in the Regency era was sort of like our American Hollywood because that was, and also just when you think of American history too, that was how everybody got their money Mm. when America started was like, okay, we don't have a social ranking system. It's the military. Yep. Like, because then you show leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, you know, there's a lot of deals that I'm sure go on, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, especially back then. Oh, we knew each other in the military. <laughs> a lot of secret things happening, you know. Mm-hmm. They're married to so-and-so, and I know them through this. We were neighbors back here. The man saved my life once. <laughs> yes. Um, but we see that. That's another common thing. You're right. In the Regency era and with Jane Austen's novels, like, we've we've seen Willoughby and Wick and you know she's always talking about you know who's in town from the military who's coming in from Brighton oh and how you know dreamy it is and it's something that is really people respect and they look up to and it's something where you don't you can succeed in the military without having family ties yes and so it's again that for that time period that was a really important impressive thing that like wow William you know, got some additional education with the help of his aunt and uncle. And now he's in the military and he's going to, you know, be an officer. And like, that was, that was probably very impressive. Mm-hmm. And Fanny sure. was just like, oh, William's, William's set. Like mm-hmm. he has a plan. If he can see past his, um, you know, he, there's a part where he gets snippy about something and it's like, hey, William, but what if you take a second to take a step back and say you wouldn't even care about this problem if you're in the next situation of life of which you are telling me about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it shows too. again, as we were just talking about Fanny and maybe the pressure that she had. Mm-hmm. 
I think about the pressure that William might have faced as a child. You know, when his sister, his favorite sister gets sent away Mm -hmm. for a better life. I'm just thinking, and he was 11 at that time, you know, the fear that might have come along with that of like, what if my parents send me away? Like, I know they said it was better, but what if they send, what if they have to send more of my siblings away? Like Mm -hmm. I have to do something. I have to help this situation. Otherwise they're going to have to send more of my siblings away. Mm. And then I won't see them again because I have to have other people take care of them. And so like the fear and the responsibility and then his aunt and uncle also give him an, a quote unquote opportunity. And I'm sure that was talked about like, Hey, you have to do well here because your aunt and uncle are doing this for us. And like, we can't disappoint them. And, or if you don't do well, they're going to stop sending money. They're not going to treat your sister. Well, I mean, again, and maybe nobody meant to do it, but I can only think having seen what Fanny has gone through in the last five years, like those are the things that I imagine for William. And, and now that they are able to talk about this. And like you said, she's at, actually hearing what his time has been like yeah it sounds like a little similar here we have these two like overachievers who are you know concerned about pleasing people William gets upset because it's all about oh my gosh what might that look like what if it's not like what I need it to be like or or how it should look Mm -hmm. to other people what if it what if it fails what if it fails? And what if it fails? You know, and yeah. that's where he gets mm-hmm. like that tension, and, and and we see some anger come out from him. And uh, Fanny doesn't shy away. Like most of the people in her life, just are completely ignorant or choose to be ignorant about feelings mm-hmm. or pretend they don't see things. She doesn't shy away, and she immediately begins to comfort him with understanding. And it's, you know, again, like we were talking about that difference between nice and quiet earlier, or excuse me, nice and kind earlier. Um, The difference between nice and quiet, there are many, but nice and kind. You know, she doesn't brush it off. She like Mm -hmm. really, I saw like really, truly showed him kindness in that moment of, you know, like you were saying, she's comforting. She says like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Maybe, and that'll be something. And then you're going to be moving on already. So, like, you have a plan and look at how responsible you are and look at all these skills that you have. You made it this far. You yeah, you've got it. Like Mm -hmm. she's encouraging him. And and that's like true kindness right there is just like making that moment about him instead of she could have acted in a way a lot of the characters in the book act, which are just totally brushing it off and just like, oh, it's fine. And oh, look, let's go talk about this. Let's go dance and let's go drink and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Or. You know, sometimes it's even, well, you know, or that shaming, you know, of like, well, you shouldn't worry about it because, you know, you've had all of this help and our aunt and uncle are like counting on us to do well and all of our siblings. So, you know, we just don't have time to feel that way. And there's no time to feel that yes. way. Yes. I feel like that's kind of the two main energies we've gotten. And and Fanny has observed as it's like her family is either, you know, we're just going to pretend we didn't see that or like we don't because we just don't have that ability. <laughs> yeah. Those are some messed up energies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely mm-hmm. some messed up energies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm glad that she and William had that moment. Mm-hmm. And even after all this time, they just, their souls speak to one another. Yeah. Jump right back in. 
yeah. And I'm just I'm so freaking curious about the second half of this book. Like she's going to end up with Edmund, right? Well, I don't right? know. But did you read this chapter? Because um, I read I one more that I want to read before. I know we he's kind of out. It's looking like he he's getting along with somebody. I do mm-hmm. see that. But like, that's not actually what's going to happen. Right. Because he's he and Fanny are going to get married. I mean, here's the thing, Morgan. This I is a red don't herring. No, I don't know. I don't either, and it's but, driving me crazy because okay, I literally so, don't know. Can we but talk I, about? <clears throat> my heart is telling me that this is what's going to happen. Can we talk about Henry Crawford? It better happen. Ugh, fine. Yeah, Henry Crawford. Are you ready? Fine. <laughs> can we jump in? Can we talk about Henry Crawford? Fuck boy and of Mansfield Park. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go it's ahead. just at this dinner scene near the end, and how they're trying to almost embarrass Fanny and just be. I just there's two parts of this interchange that I just want to read out loud. He, real he quick. is cruel. He's mean. <sighs> he knows exactly what he's doing. Big old big old poop head. Big I poop. thought I had to burp. Oh, it's gonna show up in the middle of me reading. Okay, there it is. <clears throat> so this is um, oh my gosh. So what, Mister Price, Henry, Fanny? They're all just standing around talking mm-hmm. during this dinner time, right? And he says, are you fond of dancing, Fanny? Yes, very. Only I am soon tired. I should like to go to a ball with you and see you dance. Have you never any balls in Northampton? I should like to see you dance. And I'd dance with you if you would, for nobody would know who I was here. And I should like to be your partner once more. We used to jump about together many a time, did not we? When the hand organ was in the street, I'm a pretty good dancer in my way. I dare say you are better. And turning to his uncle, who was now close to them, is not Fanny a very good dancer, sir? Fanny, in dismay at such an unprecedented question, did not know which way to look or how to be prepared for the answer. Some very grave reproof, or at least the coldest expression of indifference, must be coming to distress her brother and to sink her to the ground. But, on the contrary, it was no worse than... I'm sorry to say that I am unable to answer your question. I have never seen Fanny dance since she was a little girl, but I trust we both shall think she acquits herself like a gentlewoman when we do see her, mm. which perhaps we may have the opportunity of doing ere long. And then Henry Crawford comes in. I have had the pleasure of seeing your sister dance, Mr. Price, said Henry Crawford, leaning forward, and will engage to answer every inquiry which you can make on the subject, to your entire satisfaction. But I believe, seeing Fanny looked distressed, it must be at some other time. There's one person in company who does not like to have Miss Price spoken of. And then, at the end of this chapter, just a few, just a few paragraphs later. What a dill hole. I know! Okay. Miss Norris, because then we're just going to, and then, then then it's back to Henry. Okay. So then, then Miss Norris starts yelling because she realizes what time it is or whatever. And she says, come, Fanny, Fanny, what are you about? We are going. Do not you see your aunt is going? Quick, quick. I cannot bear to keep good old Wilcox waiting. You should always remember the coachman and the horses. We have to hurry for the horses, Morgan. We have to hur- think of the horses. No. A lady never <clears throat> thinks of the horses. That's, oh. A lady takes her time. That's right. A lady and gentlemen, never thinks of the- <laughs> let her take her time. Uh, it says, 
<sighs> you should always remember the coachman and horses. My dear Sir Thomas, we have settled it that the carriage should come back for you and Edmund and William. Sir Thomas could not dissent, as it had been his own arrangement, previously communicated to his wife and sister. But that had seemed forgotten by Miss Norris, who must fancy that she had settled it all herself. Fanny's last feeling in the visit was disappointment. This, this paragraph just really hit me. Mm -hmm. Fanny's last feeling in the visit was disappointment. For the shawl which Edmund was quietly taking from the servant to bring and put around her shoulders was seized by Mr. Crawford's quicker hand, and she was obliged to be indebted to his more prominent attention. Ew. Oh, it's like Edmund's just going to put a shawl around me. Oh, nope. He swooped in, grabbed it. And it just, there's, Yuck. it's like the upswings and the downswings for Fanny. The things are going so nicely at all this, the dinner and the social time. And now Fanny is being embarrassed and she's being hurried and she's being just, she's just second banana. The word used to indebted. Indebted. That was specifically chosen and that's a heavy word yeah indebted to his attentions because that's how she sees herself yeah and how she sees interactions with people especially young men mm -hmm. is that if they give me something i owe them something yep an act of kindness an act of really just humanity is something that I now am indebted. Yep. You owe, as a woman, you owe indebted them. To. For yep. They were nice to you and now you owe them. Yeah. And it's those, <sighs> again, we've, uh, we've touched, we've said, I have said the words rape culture before in these episodes. Yeah. We're not going to dive into that. I am stating those words though, yeah. because. It's a it's heavy nod. It's, it's a heavy, a heavy nod. nod. And the way that Austin just in, you know, we're in 1814 right now. And she is using these words. She's painting these pictures of women in society who feel indebted to men, who feel privileged by men mm -hmm. to just exist. And it's that kind of stuff that when we talk about what's happening today, at least in American culture, and when we, you know, think on the Me Too movement and what has happened since then, these are the kinds of things that we're referring to. It's where the it's, micro moments. It's those micro moments. It's those tiny It's the suggestion. Mm -hmm. It is the generational Innuendo. upbringing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. with each generation, things are growing. Yeah. And we're learning more. And they see it. And Jane has captured that. But we're aware. Because that's not what our podcast is about we today. All know, we all know how we feel about it and all of those those clenching mm -hmm. feelings. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that this book, why have I never heard about Mansfield Park like I've heard about Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility? Because there are some heavy themes in this book that Morgan I'm so thankful that you looked up the play and what that was about mm -hmm. and brought because I didn't I didn't look that up I didn't know that it was written by a woman like and how smart mm -hmm. and the the weaving threads through this story mm -hmm. that we get 
And then also the commentary on women's place in society. Um, not only women's place in society, because we see some women who are very privileged, but they are still in their box. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. have all these things, but you can't play that part. You can do all of this, but you can only have this existence. Mm-hmm. And so even if you are privileged, you still are in a box. And Fanny is privileged in quotation marks. I'm doing big quotation marks above my head. Yeah, this is said sarcastically. This isn't a sarcastic uh, voice. And it's like Fanny's privileged, but man, it's like she is the most victim-y victim Mm -hmm. of this good, this niceness. Mm -hmm. You must always be the bottom. You must always be least thought of. Mm -hmm. I just, I... I love this book. I love this book. And I had no idea that these were the themes that this was going to be turning into a PPA. Mm -hmm. Yep. A PPA, People Pleasers Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know that it was going to hit me that hard. And very soon into the first couple chapters, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, I know her. I know Fanny. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm going along to get along. I have... There's a part of me that is fearful about what the second half of this book I is going right? to do to me. Like, what is it? Because <laughs> like, I don't know. I haven't in, watched the movie. I'm, I'm coming I don't know in cautiously, show. but mm-hmm. the setup, Jane's setup has been intense. And there are just, there's so many moving pieces. And again, I don't know the characters. And uh, yeah, she's she's bringing up a lot of moral issues here and a lot of societal questions and I wasn't prepared for all of this it's not just summer camp at a house for a couple years of frivolity and fun and they do plays and go to dinner parties so far too this isn't as flirty of a book no this is a very it's not tongue-in-cheek no it's not um it's not wistful glances at each other it's like this slow understanding of safety Uh uh-huh because like oh. the first two books we've had we we've seen a very um I think we've seen in, in both especially the sisters, the Dashwood sisters and the Bennett sisters, mm-hmm. it's like their sibling relationships, at least with the two eldest, it is we have a yin and a yang sister, yeah. right? We've got one that's, you know, more reserved, quiet, shy, uh, internal processor, and then we have the outspoken sister who's looked at as a little bit more wild, fiery heart, fiery yeah. heart, you know, a wild spirit, so to speak, um, and and speaks their mind a little bit more. And so we've we've had those mirrors there, and this book, it's really just Fanny, like th- her solitude is like very evident right away. I find myself her craving otherness. her internal monologue because yes. it's so much about what everyone else is doing and thinking and saying. Yes. And it's like, but what is happening inside Fanny's mind? And we only get little bits of it mm-hmm. throughout, or we see her reaction through someone else's eyes, yes. but we don't actually know what's happening. Who is she, Morgan? And I don't What's going to happen in the second half I of this book? I don't think she knows. I don't think she knows who she is. Ooh. And And that's what I'm looking forward to in the second half because... I also am very attached to this book. I'm attached to this character. I am craving more of this book. And uh, I also am just identifying with a lot of uh, Fanny's, her like thoughts about herself. I'm identifying with that as a woman in her mid thirties. Woman in her mid thirties. Wow. It's just like this book is hitting me at an interesting time in my life. And who knew? I didn't. Mansfield Park. Who knew? Wow. Yeah. It's wow. Morgan, should we wrap this up? Yeah, I think we covered everything. We covered everything. 
and we're at the end and now it's time to stop my goodness well uh love and abundance friends we'll see you guys next time see you next week for our mini episode it's the fifth wednesday and we still got one we're gonna talk data anal next week guys it's a weird wednesday yes yes weird wednesday bye friends bye friends love you all